0: Hello and welcome back once again to the Speaking Freely podcast. I'm Privateer Latte, and as always, I'm joined by Pirate Tomsky. For those of you who have listened before, you'll know we pick a topic each week. One of us picks a subject, the other one will introduce the subject, and then we'll sort of go back and forth and express our feelings on it. So this week, the subject has been chosen by Pirate Tomsky, and that is Empathy versus Self-Ownership. So what do you want to say about that pirate Tomsky?
1: Okay, hello. Um good to be back. It's been a few weeks actually, um, due to various other um commitments. So we've not been able to do one of these for a while. Um but tonight, yeah, I wanted to talk about empathy versus self ownership in the sense of um just thinking about when when you think about empathy. So I, I've done a lot of work, um personal development around empathy over the last few years. Um, And trying to understand other people's viewpoints and trying to understand how other people see the world and how they experience the world, which I guess is my definition of empathy. It's trying to understand other people's perspectives. But sometimes you can get into a situation where you are too empathetic or empathetic, depending on how you say that word. And if you are too, if you express too much empathy, I feel sometimes that you can kind of lose Sight of your self and your own principles um and the the part around self-ownership is kind of what i mean is like ownership of your principles if you care too much about what other people think and you listen to other people more than you listen to yourself um kind of what kind of impact could that have on have on you as an individual um so, yeah, so it was just something that came to my mind um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's a lot of things on, you know, there's a lot of conversations on platforms like Twitter, where people are just shouting at each other. Um, and I kind of thought to myself, how how much should I take other people's opinions into consideration um, without kind of losing sight of what I believe? So this is going to be very kind of philosophical i guess um from a from a conversation it's not really structured i don't really have any um specific examples in mind it's just kind of from a high level where where can we start drawing some of these boundaries around showing empathy for others versus protecting yourself a little bit i guess so yeah Yeah. that's it so i don't know what obviously we we send a message to each other ahead of these podcasts um so we know what the Topic is, but we don't talk about anything apart from the, what the topic is. So we don't pre talk about it. So, what are your initial thoughts when you, when I said I wanted to discuss this?
0: Um, my initial thoughts were very much it's, it's a subject I'm, I feel I'm quite close to. Um, empathy plays a big part in what I do and how I approach most things, both professionally and and personally. But I do see. That sometimes i can spend too much time looking at the other person's viewpoint trying to take up on board the other person's opinion and see where they're coming from more than i perhaps express my own opinion and i do see how there is this harm in that where sometimes too much ground is given because i'm i do get wrapped up in well you know they've got this going on or they've got that going on and therefore i should almost not yield to them but give more than i was willing to give to help this these people or to to do it a certain way um this is hard without giving examples but i've got none to hand that i can use um but it is something that i, I do recognize that empathy can be a, a, a huge strength and there's a massive value in empathy but it can also be detrimental in in many many ways and i th- i think you're absolutely right to call it out in society at this moment i think empathy is perhaps valued above everything else and it gets to the point where people are, i i feel people are projected empathy where they don't really have it they don't care they don't have the um the interests of the other party at hand it's it, it comes back to the almost virtue signaling it's I'm going to show empathy to this group to this person because it's the right thing to do and even though I don't care and even though I don't actually have empathy I know that by showing uh, or expressing that I do have that empathy I will look like a better person and it it frustrates me that because I, I think that's where a lot of good goes to waste when people use it for self-interest um and it comes back to the second part of this the self-ownership it's you know the the pd I've been doing personally is is trying to not allow to to let myself get drawn in too much to the empathy of others to to wanting to please others and take more of a step back and say well what is the best outcome unilaterally not not for me not for them but overall what's the right thing to do what's the best outcome here for everyone rather than just the person who i've felt the empathy towards who's expressed a a story that's got me hooked if you like and and i think there's not enough of that goes on now in society i think society now concentrates more on On the one person rather than the collective and it's whoever's got the loudest voice and who is asking for the most sympathy tends to get the lion's share of the the decisions and people will give in or or push towards them
1: yeah so there's a couple of things there um so i mean another thing as well maybe from a definition perspective with empathy versus sympathy um, so those are two different things. Um, sympathy is f- kind of feeling sorry that someone else is going through an experience that you probably wouldn't want to go through yourself. Um, whereas empathy is more trying to understand what people are going through rather than just feeling sorry for them. Um, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it totally makes sense, but I think that's what I mean. I... I i look at i approach most things looking from both angles or all three angles however many angles there are and try and look at where they're coming from and why they're coming with that viewpoint why they're coming with that complaint that opinion whatever it is they're bringing to the table i try and look at why see where that's come from and why it is that that's their position here. And sometimes, i I say, for me, I, I'm very susceptible to it. And, yeah, I think sometimes sympathy does play a part, but purely looking at empathy, um, I, I do look too much into where other people are coming from and why they've got to that decision, rather than perhaps maybe the, the outcomes of those decisions. On
1: yeah, own. yeah. So, I mean, I, I think empathy is important. It's very important to try and understand viewpoint of other people but like I guess from when you when you're trying to make decisions empathy needs to be considered but it isn't the only thing that needs to be considered um you you live in the, we live in a, in a real world that has constraints um and so if you are trying to if you're trying to please everyone or trying to understand everybody and trying to build something that is right for everybody you'll end up building nothing that isn't right for anybody um yeah. or you'll end up creating something that isn't right for anybody um and there's a couple of things there so constraints is like i say i mentioned constraints is you have to work within the systems that you you are part of so you can't just smash the system to the ground and rebuild it which is what a lot of you know people you know a lot of virtue signaling type of people want to do um you know when you talk about like black lives matter for example i don't want to get too political because i want to talk more philosophy, um about philosophy of it but you know, they—they basically—they don't want to change the system within the rules. They want to smash the system and rebuild it um, based on what they want. It's not, and even when you look at them, it's not even what they think the people who were affected by the the causes they stand up for would want. It's what they want, um, which is not empathy at all. It's just virtue signaling, using different political structures to try and break what's already, you know, break what's what's in place. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention as well was. Um, around some of this stuff is, is around, um, discrimination. And I don't mean discrimination as in, um, you know, gender discrimination or, um, uh, racial discrimination or anything like that. I, everybody, everybody discriminates all the time in every decision you make, everyone assigns value to different things based on what's valuable to them. And so it might be using a really simple example. Um, value. Um, so at lunchtime, you want to have something to eat because um, you, you value having food in your system and surviving rather than not having food in your system and not surviving. And so you value having something to eat, but then you discriminate when you choose what you want to eat. And what I mean by that is that you, you exclude a whole bunch of options to choose the thing that you want which is a form of kind of discrimination. And I don't mean, as I say, I don't mean it in a political sense, but you do it all the time. Whether you choose choose a certain brand of beer or you choose the house you want to live in, you have to exclude a whole bunch of options. And you almost uh, you almost choose different options and put constraints on yourself in order to make decisions and move forward. And that is kind of, if you look at the empathy side of things, Empathy when you listen to all these different people and you try and understand all these different viewpoints, but then you don't discriminate to make decisions. Um, you can't actually move forward. You can't progress, um, and you can't produce anything of any value. So I don't know if that's a, a bit left field from what what you were thinking about, but um, that's that's something else that's been playing on my mind as well.
0: <coughs> yeah, I think it's. It's different than where I was coming from with this, but I, I don't disagree with that um, I, I do feel progress is restricted when when empathy is used too much in decision making so if, for my, my example I always give is, is your stereotypical factory and automation if yeah. you purely make decisions via empathy then you'll never automate you'll never bring in machinery everything will always be handmade by a vast sea of workers um but to to progress to for the company to survive you need to automate you need to um continually grow and push the boundaries of what's possible uh bringing new machinery and yes, unfortunately what tends to happen is you bring in a machine that replaces five jobs, hmm. which is yep. if you base it pure on empathy, then well, I don't want to do that because I don't want to have to lay off five members of staff. But ultimately what happens then is that the, the, the whole company dies and everyone gets laid off because you're going to get left behind by your competitors. And yeah. I've, I've, I've seen that happen to companies who were perhaps too loyal to uh too empathetic to their staff at the detriment of the business in general they they didn't want to lay off they didn't want to streamline they didn't want to automate they they loved the values that they lived by which was everything was handmade crafted by workers have been there their entire lives and unfortunately there was So that business model, it wasn't sustainable, but they weren't willing to, to push and to, to perhaps move with the times. And that's where I see empathy. Me, again, has been dangerous. The whole, well, we don't want to do that because it it could take people's jobs. It's potentially removing the need for a team of people by making this change or adding this new piece of machinery and i mean in the factory setting what tends to happen is those five jobs go and a new job is created or a new two jobs are created to run the machine so not everybody has to go you can retrain you can upskill but unfortunately i'd say it often gets in the way because it's seen as well that's bad Those poor people, their poor families. And I, you know, it is horrible. I don't want anyone to lose their job. But at the same time, it's it's the balance of everyone losing their job because the business is no longer sustainable or Mm. a handful of people having to make way for modernization.
1: Yeah, and you see that's sometimes that's one example where I think unions sometimes go too far where they they are so on the side of the workers. I mean, most of the people are workers in an organization, but uh, in my view, a good union balances the the will of workers being treated fairly and a business being able to survive. And some unions go too far the other way, where they're all about workers and not about the business surviving. so they—I don't even know if I'd call that empathy from a from a union point of view. I think they like to think they're wrapped in empathy, but I think there's a lot of politics in there as well. So yeah, it is it's a difficult balancing act when you need to—you need to protect the companies need to develop and stay competitive yeah. um, within a marketplace, but at the same time, you need to understand that you do have a workforce that needs to be understood and maintained to a certain degree. Um, and it's that's the balancing act is the politics in between those two extremes.
0: It is. And, you know, you, uh, you say it could be politics that stands in with some unions. And I, I'm not going to argue against that. But I'd also say sometimes it's it's just pure short sightedness. It's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, just, purely, just to... purely looking just... at the the employee and the staff and it's all about them and saving everyone's jobs getting everyone paid the most and there's no overall business viewpoint of what actually what are the long-term repercussions of saving these staff and raising these salaries
1: so just to clarify when i talk about politics in this context i'm talking about the art of discussion and debate okay i'm not talking about left versus right within political parties i'm talking about the two sides need to negotiate with each other to come out with to come up with some kind of outcome. That's that's when I talk about politics in this situation. I don't care if you are far left, far right, middle of the road. That's not what I mean when I talk about politics in this context. It's the yeah. ability for unions or for for organisations to um, negotiate with each other, basically.
0: Okay. That, yeah. That's cool. Um, but it, it, is that. it, Sorry, go on. It, it is that. Sorry. Go on. I'll say it is that. It's it's an interesting thing you said there. It's it's the discussion and the ability to come out with a, a reasonable outcome that for me is the biggest thing that i think is is getting lost and it's it's the theme i feel for every show we've done so far is as a society as a people we've lost the ability to debate and discuss it it's immediately goes to, yeah it means yeah it, it goes to violence petition um Petitioning and protesting and hate. There's no discussion. There's no grown-up communication between two sides to come out with a middle ground or a happy outcome. It's immediately my way or death. Mm, And I think that's, again, where empathy comes in because it's very easy to feel empathy and to see the side of... One persuasion or another in a particular argument, but that's only because the other side is often not been represented, and when they are represented, they're yeah displayed as something that they're not. They're they're edited. They're shown in a way that's negative. Yeah. And I'm getting to, I'm getting into politics here. the all, all
1: de, de- like demonised for some for, in some way, shape or form. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting though when you talk about the. Um... The one thing that when you used your example of, of the, the work, um, the work on automation, um, the one thing that came to my mind immediately. Which was which showed a complete lack of empathy was um, I can't remember which year it was. I'm thinking 2017, 18, there was a thing on Twitter about a lot of factory workers were laid off and. Um, uh, within the co I think it was coal mine workers were laid off in in America, and a lot of journalists in the states were on twitter with they created a hashtag learn to code. did you hear about this?
0: Yes, yeah I did
1: so uh, it was mostly journalists, but it was other people as well they basically the 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 whole kind of premise of that for my understanding was oh you've lose you've lost your job well, just learn to code. You know, so there was just like a complete lack of empathy to understand what these people are going through. And they just created like a social media movement telling people, well, you know, if you want a job doing something else, just completely uproot your education and start again at the age of 50 when you've been coal mining for 25 years and just learn to code and you'll get a job immediately. And it was just like the complete lack of understanding and empathy from the people who were saying that was um it was just incredible. And I think the, the Learn to Code hashtag was actually, I think it ended up being banned because it was, or it ended up causing some kind of people who used it were getting banned. Um, and then what happened a few years later when a lot of the, um, a lot of news journalists were being laid off, um, people started using that again against them. So the, the lack of empathy went completely the other way. Yeah. Um, to people who were looking at journalists who were losing their jobs and basically say, oh, well, you can just learn to code now as well. So it was quite funny and it was ironic, but it doesn't really help the um, harmony of, of of a civilization to um, have, have this kind of lack of empathy on both sides. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of that as well. Uh, and it's so easy as well online to to just throw out a hateful comment to someone who you'll never know, you'll never meet. Um, and as anyone who's ever used the internet knows, or has probably done, you get as much back as you give out. Uh, so, I yeah. Saw. So that's um, that's another thing around, uh, I think the empathy piece is, again, tied into a lot of the, I mean, the reason why we keep coming back to the same subjects, I feel at the moment is, or the same themes, is because we have been locked in our houses for a year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you know, it's not the kind of thing where we can. It is at the top of everyone's mind. Is you know all this kind of stuff, and there's a you're kind of forced online to communicate with people. And so when when you're forced into the online world to talk about things and debate on on, with, on these platforms, it's kind of at the forefront of your mind. You start seeing all the problems with the platforms. Um, you start seeing all the behaviours of people who are now forced into the online world more than they would have been. Um, so yeah, so that's, I'm not surprised we keep coming back to the same themes.
0: No, me neither. They, they are, yes, they're, they're, obvious themes and they're things, things that will keep coming up over and over again, because they are, they are important and they are lacking in a lot of cases in society today. Um, you sent me a documentary over the weekend uh, that i watched and I'm trying to find the name of it. Now it's
1: Uh, called hooks,
0: the hooks. And I thought that explained it very, very well. And that that was the theme that came from that documentary for me was from both sides of the debate in other, there were were different debates discussed, but from both sides of the debate, a complete lack of willingness to communicate. Mm. Yeah. The walls up, and nobody is allowed to talk. No one is allowed to communicate with each other. It's purely throwing accusations, lies, shaming each other.
1: Yep, misrepresentation, all that stuff.
0: Yeah, and then wondering why people like um, say people outside of media, people outside of that that loop. Why they're disenfranchised why they have a massive amount of distrust when it comes to the media news outlets social media journalists on there that people are trying to bring the truth potentially will be ignored and and labeled as uh you know uh
1: yeah some form so, of conspiracy theorist or something like that
0: yes yeah, yeah. conspiracy theorists and ultimately just completely ignored and uh, anything they print anything they say is 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 just yeah villainized as well you can't believe anything because every single person is lying so therefore we end up with no empathy because you can't have empathy when you think everyone's lying it's, it's the complete opposite of what we're talking about now which is when you don't believe anything you see read here then how can you feel empathy how can you want to help and progress society because again you're disenfranchised you're not part of anything everything's just a lie and people are just lying to you to get their viewpoint they're lying to you to to gain in somehow um that documentary objectifies i think quite well the the mainstream media being in it for profits which is why certain, certain standpoints certain viewpoints are ratings winners you talk about the right person and more people tune in than if you don't talk about that person so of course that's what happens everyone's just talking about the same things over and over again regurgitating them whether they're true or not whether they're yeah. important or not whether it's actually just a distraction or not it doesn't matter because from their standpoint that is going to gain viewers and that's all in it for or to push a political agen- agenda
1: yeah it's interesting. the I mean the hoax thing I didn't realize I didn't think you were going to bring that up today. <laughs>
0: um yeah sorry I just I, thought I, I
1: mean, that. no it's fine. I mean it, it is it is a really good documentary but I, it has been demonized because of what it talks about. Um uh, as well it's been it's another one of those where you know the guy it, it, the podcast um, the the um documentary is called Hoaxed by Mike Cernovich. Um now a lot of people may know who Mike Cernovich is or not but he's uh he did this documentary in 2000 uh, Nineteen, I think it was. Um, I only watched it over the weekend, and it was just really interesting. So, if you haven't seen it, it it's on YouTube. You can go and watch it on on YouTube, um, or you can go to Hawks' website and I think you pay to rent it. Um, but the thing, the, the, just around the whole the whole media thing for a moment, is when you look at traditional media, it's a dying industry. Um, there are so many new, more modern. Uh, cheap to run, um, cheap to produce, cheap to create Star, You know, you could you could almost um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You could get a lot of freelancers to become your reporters and host a channel on YouTube that costs a lot less than running a multinational, massive media franchise. And I, I see the modern – I see old-school media uh, or traditional media as – a dying beast that's lashing out yes and so the sensationalization and the lack of understanding and to it back to the empathy point is they don't care they really do not care whether a story is true whether it's truly representative um whether it shows both sides of a, of a position on something all they want to do is push a narrative which drives ratings which drives ad revenues to to keep them in business um And that's where I think the danger is. And, you know, I understand they are a business and they do need to, you know, turn a profit, etc. But my feeling is that a lot of media outlets are doing it at the expense of being uh, truthful um, and trying to present stories in a meaningful and truthful way. But this is nothing new. It's been going on for a long, long time. I just feel it's more extreme now because new media companies are threatening them directly. Uh, so yeah. yeah,
0: so so well, I yeah, think we, it's interesting. We we can see examples of it every day um, when you turn on the news now, where the truth, you know, they for for me, I always think they <clears throat> they appear to base their stories on the truth, but then twist it and perhaps exaggerate it in a way that serves them best and serves either the narrative that will get more viewers or the narrative that suits their political agenda whichever one comes first for me, which is yeah. why I, I feel you've we talked about I think in the first show, you've you've got to really force yourself to to view both sides because there are always two sides to any news story. And unless you're willing to open your mind a bit and have a look at both sides of the coin and use a bit of empathy. And a little bit of self ownership to to decide what your truth is out of that, then you're always going to just be be led by other people's politics. You mm. you know it's for me if, if you just watch, I don't want to use the BBC because I know you particularly dislike <laughs> them, but I'll well, use Sky I, I dislike
1: a I dislike a bunch of them. I dislike Sky News as well, but you know, yeah, um, I do if, still read if their if stuff.
0: You, I don't need the BBC only, anymore. No. But if you only use Sky News as your source of truth, in the UK, obviously the US, you, you CNN, you've NBC, and whatever else, but if you just view Sky News, then your view of the world is what they want it to be. You're allowing that corporation, Rupert Murdoch and his team, to tell you what the world is like outside your window especially in lockdown, in the scenario we are now, where we're not getting out and about. So you turn on Sky News and you see thousands of young people raving in a wood and leaving it absolutely destroyed, and you believe that that's exactly what's happening every day outside your window. But then you can turn on other news channels. You can turn on YouTube. You can go online and see for yourself. That's not the case. And it's not actually happening everywhere. Yes, there are pockets of it happening, but there always were. It, it's a it's a very convenient narrative to be able to tell, much like yeah. the whole. And I don't want to get into this because I, I feel we don't have time ever to discuss all of it. But the whole Trump versus Hillary Clinton from back in twenty sixteen, depending who you watched on the, on the news, Trump was the devil. Or the Messiah. And so was Clinton. <laughs> she was she was either the devil or the Messiah, depending who you knew who you watched, who you get your, your news from. So if you only allow yourself to be influenced by one news source, then that is your truth. Trump's the Messiah, Clinton's the devil. That's it. Yep. Fact. But if if you push push yourself and allow yourself to look at the other sample, you see, you know. They're both idiots in their own way. And they're both good in their own way. It depends which truth you want to believe. And it depends what means most to you. And that's where your, your self-ownership, for me, comes into it. It's what what matters most to you. What, what do you want? What, do, what are you looking for in your news, in your politicians? And find that. Don't let other people tell you where it is. Find it for yourself.
1: Well, and also listen directly to what they say. Like yes. uh you know, don't don't just watch the editorialized conversations or or parts of the speech that they put into a narrative of whatever, you know. And I mean that I am on both sides. I mean, just just to clarify one thing though, Rupert Murdoch doesn't own Sky News anymore. Comcast owns oh, it. So. Now he sold oh, okay. it a few years ago to Comcast. So um okay. but yeah, I mean I just wanted to correct that. Just that's not anything to yeah. do with this conversation, but um, yeah, no, I, I get it. And you do see people on one side of the aisle not looking at the other. Um, and they just don't talk to each other anymore. You know, there's no, I mean, Question Time in the UK, I mean, for people who aren't, who aren't um, from Britain, um, Question Time has been something, it's been, it's been a TV show that's been on a Thursday night for the last, what, 30, 40 years or something? Uh, maybe that's wrong. I don't know how long it's been on. It's been a long, long time, though. And the idea is, is that it's like a panel show where they talk about the politics of the day. So the idea is that the the panel is supposed to be balanced between left and right, um, because the BBC, being funded by the British taxpayer, is supposed to represent all positions. Uh, and that would be an ideal place to start, you know, to say, right, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have a debate about the news of the day. We're going to have people from the left people from the right people down the middle wherever their positions are we're going to have a sample of those people on the panel um and that would be a good starting point but that doesn't happen i mean and even that show as is has got um one particular type of bias over the other uh, and i started not- noticing that about 15 years ago um i don't know what it was like before because i didn't really watch it before then but so even when you try and build a platform that is somehow balanced, you still it still ends up leaning one way or the other. So you have to do your own research. You know, there's enough information out there for people to look uh, and to to listen to what the left's saying about something and listen to what the right saying about something and try and understand both both positions. Um, you know, I understand. There's if we just look at some of the some of the riots that are going on at the moment about you know the um the woman who was murdered, I can't, was it Sarah Evergard or something? Sarah? I can't remember her last name, but um, for for people who don't know, this was a woman who was murdered a few weeks ago by a police officer, um, just in the, in the North of London, I think it was, or somewhere around London. And it caused like protests um, uh, uh, in the South of, of England. And, there there were people saying uh talking about how bad the police were and it was like one guy who happened to be a police officer ended up killing this woman although that is he's still alleged he hasn't been sentenced so let's let's go with innocent until proven guilty which a lot of press don't do um but effectively because this person was a police officer and this wo- and he allegedly murdered this woman people were ask- people were talking about defunding the police um, again this is start coming up in the uk there was one woman there was a member of the house of lords saying that men should have a 6 pm curfew in the uk so it's like <laughs> they've just taken a position and've they've, they've gone to one to completely radical positions without looking at it and saying and you know talking from a selfish point of view as being a man um you know and i'm obviously i'm not a police officer but you know it, just all it would have taken is for some of these people to think if i make this statement about 6 p.m. curfew for men. What do I think men are going to think about that? Or if we're talking well, about defunding police, what is that going to look like from the police side of things? And, I mean, I'm approaching it from the angle of my own biases because, I mean, locking up – lock, I mean, we're already in lockdown anyway, so, you know, the 6 p.m. curfew is nothing new. But at least they're being assholes to everyone um, with the U.K. lockdowns. <laughs> they're not just targeting one group of people. So yeah. I think just looking at trying to understand like this was one person one person who killed one person allegedly and it they've just gone yeah. to the races with it and they've gone into extreme positions and empathy so, in that position I mean especially for a, me- a member of the House of Lords you would expect them to have a bit more nuance um, say, in how they approach it. I will it. say the, the,
0: the, the, the statement that you you're quoting there the six pm curfew for men. I I I watched that in response to it had been suggested by earlier by another member of the House of Lords that maybe women should be advised not to go out at, at night, and if they do to go out in groups. So her response ah, okay. was well, her response was why should women have to basically have a curfew? They're not the ones killing people.
1: Yeah, tell men well,
0: to, tell men to ever I know, but it was technically her, her, women. Was,
1: technically, women do kill men, but yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> they do. Yeah, but but the, her response was basically an incredulous response to, her, "Well, hang on, a man has come to kill a woman, so you're saying, well, all women should just stay indoors then to stay safe? Why why aren't men made to stay indoors so women are safe? On that? Well, scene? there you go. She 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 was turning the she was just trying to turn the argument around, but as as we're trying to say with this. It was spun that look at this hysterical woman making such a ridiculous statement. And he's like, "Well, no, she was just pointing out how ridiculous the other guy's statement was." But no one's reporting his statement. Everyone's reporting it as her saying that in isolation that she's just sat there and I don't know. Thought, oh, I know what solve all murders. Put men in lockdown from six pm every night. That, that well, you go. Yeah, not following my own rules now. No, no, and, and you know. I I had purely looked that up because when it came out, I was like, what a ridiculous thing for her to say. And that's only going to make things worse. And I happened to see it on Twitter. I didn't even go looking. I saw it on Twitter, a longer version of it showing, I've, I don't know all our members of the House of Lords, but some guy in the House of Lords suggesting, well, maybe we should suggest women, as I say, stay at home in an evening or only go out in groups on an evening so that they are safer and she said how ridiculous the 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 way to solve a problem of a woman being murdered by a man isn't to lock women up why don't we lock men up uh how yeah, well, would you like me well, to say yeah. let's have a stick spin curfew for men and it's like yeah it is ridiculous but that's what that's, that was another thing that had been suggested that was equally stupid it's like hang on why don't you punish the people who have committed the murders and leave everyone else who isn't a murderer alone why does everyone have to be tarnished with the same brush?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that, and you'll have to send me a link to that because I, I didn't really – it was something I looked at in passing. But you see, even someone like me who tries to look at both sides yeah, get get caught out all the time with this stuff because it's just – there's, like, so much going on. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see more of that, so you'll have to send me a link to it afterwards um, to try and understand the full thing. So, uh, yeah, well, I, I was obviously caught out by that myself. Um I'm, so, I'm yeah. trying
0: to searching my phone now to find where I saw it, <laughs> but I wasn't <will> <laughs> you when I find it.
1: Well, you don't have to do it right now, uh, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I guess the, the other thing, I mean, obviously, we've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole of, of media there, but I think media is a big part of, I think there is a, a, a significant lack of empathy with media, which causes a, a cascade effect to other people to not care about different groups of people or to not care about individuals, really, which... Comes on to like the self ownership perspective, um, and I mentioned this in the—I don't know if it was the last podcast or the podcast before—about um, offending people, and yeah. you know, there, there's there seems to be. This is where I think sometimes empathy is overplayed, in the sense that we're we we're, we're almost building a we're almost trying to build a society where nobody gets offended by anything that anyone says yes. uh, or, or they don't want to be offended by other people's opinions or vice versa um, and empathy has a role in society to understand the position of someone else doesn't mean you agree with their position so you might sit there and you might sit down and think right, i'm going to try and look at the world from this person's perspective and sit there and think about it and maybe do a bit of research or whatever and then still come out with the same position you were before and say, no, actually, I disagree with this, and this is why I disagree with it. And at least you've tried to understand the other side of it before you've then said, actually, I think I'm right, or I think my position is this. I don't like using the word right and wrong, but especially when you talk about this, because it is all all subjective and and everything. But I think that's also another thing that people need to think about is don't just go like a, a bull in a china shop running in with, I'm right, you're wrong which is what you've talked about before, but actually spend a bit of time to try and think about things from other people's perspectives. It might be that you end up in the exact same place. It might be that you change your mind or you rethink uh, your positions on things. But to actually at least consider the other perspective is better than not considering it at all. Um, and that goes for everyone across the spectrum um, of of ideas and, and politics, etc. cetera. So I kind of wanted to... Um, I just wanted to point out as well. Um, I know this has been a little bit all over the place as a podcast, um, and we've covered various topics, which we, we could spend a lot more time going into more depth in certain subjects that we've talked about. But um, I think that's pretty much all I wanted to say on it tonight.
0: Yeah, I think I think we've we've covered everything and gone off on some random tangents. But as always, it's been worth it. So yeah, I think we've well, covered everything Thank you. That's what we do.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, um so yeah, okay, I'll I'll stop speaking um and I'll let you finish with the outro, but uh thanks for listening everybody.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for listening and as always if you have anything that you want to comment on what we've been discussing or any topics you'd want us to talk about or questions you have for either of us, please fire them through. Uh, subscribe and like us if you wish. If you don't wish, then feel free not to. And uh, we'll catch you next time, and hopefully it won't be as long. Bye for now. Bye, everyone.